very weird edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and I am here solo. I, uh, Grant and I crossed some wires on Labor Day. I had the in-laws in town, and, and he had some family in town, and uh, we just we just kind of messed up on our on our timing. So I am I'm here solo tonight to talk about the Duquesne game. I'm here to recap kind of what we saw, what we thought about, what we saw, and and chat. So um, bear bear with me on that. I, I know we won't have our normal kind of uh, repartee, our, our witty banter back and forth. But hopefully this will be an informative podcast. Hopefully this will be a uh, you know and addition that will will kind of inform your understanding of what we saw what we want to see what we thought we saw and uh, I promise I will not go like an hour and (laughs) hour and 10 minutes on the Duquesne game so TCU beat Duquesne on Saturday Uh, we we knew that was going to happen obviously we just didn't know how that was going to happen 45 to 3 they, they they were up 35 to nothing at the half. They brought in Matt Downing. They brought in Chandler Morris. They brought in Sam Jackson and really let the thing go into cruise control. So, I, you know, uh, on one level, it would be nice to score 7,000 points against an FCS team. On the other level, TCU literally knocked their quarterback out of the game, and that just feels unfair on some guys from Pittsburgh who are down here sweating in Fort Worth. Uh, I think I saw a quote about how you know they 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 wilted in the second quarter so that's why TCU opted for a for a 12 minute quarter in the in the second half that's part of the reason that I don't love playing teams uh, out of town I think about I guess it was man was it 2012 2013 when it had to be it had to be 11 or 12 when when TCU played Portland State for instance and that game was pretty close to the half and then Man, the the Portland State kids just fell apart in the in the second half. I don't know that that's a good representative sample of your opposition. I don't know if that's, you know, we, the, the, there's plenty of guys that are, are are down here in the South who are used to the heat, and the heat is not the overwhelming factor when they come play TCU. The the talent is so. Uh, that that's my one little rant about wishing we would play local teams for playing Tarleton next year. So that that's going to take care of itself. Let's talk a little bit about the game generally. Um, TCU, you know, I look at this expected score metric and what I do is I take kind of the average value of your, your drive when you start, how much value you added. And, uh, and that gives me kind of an expected score. So I had TCU at 41.8 to Duquesne's 40, or excuse me, 4.7. So an absolutely huge win, greater than 99% win expectancy, of course. TCU was plus 0.311 EPA per play. Duquesne was negative 0.399 on the day. If we look at Echol ratio, remember Echol is kind of the ratio of productive drive. So how often did you put yourself in a position to succeed? Well, TC was 87.5. So I'm not going to spend too much time on kind of the general narratives here because I don't think there's a ton. One, uh, the the Duquesne quarterback, I'm, I'm totally blanking on his name and I feel like a bad guy for that, but I hope he gets well soon. That was pretty rough. It wasn't, um, you know, it, it wasn't a dirty hit by Oshan Mathis. It was, it was a little close to being late, but again, we're playing football and we are, you know, 
trying to get ready for the season, trying to get ready for big opponents. So it, it wasn't anything dirty or nefarious, but man, he, he, he went down pretty hard. So, uh, just, just hate to see that generally shouts to him. Uh, that's, uh, Joe Mishler is the, is the Duquesne quarterback. So TCU outgained Duquesne 7.69 to 2.44 yards per play. The turnover margin was easy, uh, or even, excuse me, at one to one. Both of those were interceptions. We'll talk about that Duggan interception here in a little bit. 67.8% of TCU's plays were rushes. 58.7 of those were, uh, excuse me, 58.7 of yards came from passes. Obviously, in a game where, you know, garbage time really dictates kind of the game and the fact that TCU, after about the fourth drive, just stopped passing entirely. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not too worried about the splits. I'm not too worried about the overall numbers um duquesne if you're interested they only passed 12 times they rushed on 70 percent of the plays 55.9 percent of duquesne's yards came through the air and 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 64.5 percent of duquesne's yards came on just you know two two of those plays those those deep passing plays that we all saw so what what i'd like to do tonight is look at the uh the offense in detail I'm not going to pretend to, to to say too much or make too many inferences about the defense. And it's a little weird. Maybe I'll go into this for a second. So philosophically, you have to look at, well, you know, what's the difference between, you, you, you know, you might say, Parker, why, why would you make inferences about TCU's offense against an FCS team, but not really make inferences against uh, about the defense? And I think that's fair. I think that's something that, um, you know, you you might wonder and say like, wow, TCU's defense is going to be really good. I just think the caliber of competition is obviously so low in this kind of game. And the difference between offense and defense is that the offense is is kind of setting the tone. They're saying we're going to do X, Y, and Z. And if we're good at X, Y, and Z, great. But if we're not, that that kind of raises some red flags. Whereas the defense says, all right, what are you going to do? And we'll we'll attack it. So obviously defense was great, uh, and and so I don't have you know too much to say about that. Uh, I will say I pointed out, Trees Hodge Tomlinson got an interception and uh, he downed it. To be fair, he dove to get the interception, but still we wanted long we wanted long field drives, and and so I feel I feel good about that. TCU had drives of 90, 60, 49, and 65. They got the ball first, and they really marched down the field. That was a 90-yard 90 uh, drive, I think, to start the game. And and Duggan passed the ball nine times and 14 plays, including some penalties there. When they got to the goal line, it was interesting. They kind of, well, one I'll say, we, we kind of missed opportunities there. There's the pass interference that took TCU from first and 10 at the 20 to first and goal at the 10. And that, 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 that's fine. It's not like realistically something that that's, you know, super problematic, but I would have liked to see TCU run kind of a full red zone set there. When they went to the red zone, they run inside zone with DeMarcado and then they ran, you know, that kind of in, inverted veer with, with Duggan, which I think will be so lethal. And I think the red zone will largely be TCU running the ball. So hopefully we, you know, we're passing to get close to the end zone and then, and then able to kind of cap things off with, with rushing there. Um, they,
a few plays stuck out to me gen- generally kind of in that in that first half uh, for 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 better or for worse you know if you're listening to this uh you know how my mind works and you know kind of what i think about so i i, I think generally i go to the negative first the things that stuck out to me were were of course that pass interference and the fact that um you know, like I would have declined the penalty. You can't, you can't do this. This is like Kevin Kelly at, at Pulaski Academy, who's doesn't care what anyone thinks about him, doesn't care about perception or reputation and just does what's efficient. If I were coaching an FCS game, I would, I would decline every penalty and say, you know what? Nope. We're just going to take our knocks and, and we're going to um, go for it. Of course, you know, there's a corner solution where your opponent <laughs> knows this and they, you know, committed penalty on every play, knowing that you're gonna, you know. But but it was we'll, we'll zoom out from that. Just saying, look, pass interference against Quentin Johnson. Look, that ball wasn't even close. It's not like pass interference kind of prevented from uh, TCU from that 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 happening. So I, I would have declined that penalty and worked on the red zone. TCU moved the ball well. I'm really excited about um, what what I saw kind of early on from the offense. So again, I'm not gonna take too much from this game, but. On that first drive, I saw, you know, they, they had a good RPO to Savion Williams, and then they targeted him deep immediately. So I like getting the young guys involved. Savion didn't really have much last week or last year, excuse me, in terms of the way of involvement. And so saying, hey, you're obviously talented. You're obviously our second deep receiver. We're going to go to you is was really, really nice. They, they ran two RPOs on the first three plays. I really like that. Kind of this glance stick idea where Duggan says, "Hey, I'm gonna look at the linebacker. If the linebacker drifts back towards, I say linebacker, you know, whatever, star jack, whatever you want to call it, this this nickel that's kind of big, you know, if he drifts back towards QJ, I'm gonna give the ball and we're gonna take our five yards. If he comes forward, I'll go over to QJ. And so, I liked that they ran it to Savion, they ran it to QJ." Uh, there was a deep out to Conright that was kind of nice. I hated that they, I hated that they burned the timeout there, but I do like that they went immediately to Conright. Duggan was able to find him on the sideline, and then uh, I I saw a lot of outside zone, which was nice, especially from the pistol. So again, I've been talking about Tim Beck for months now. Tim Beck, not the North Carolina State Tim Beck, not the guy who used to be at uh, at Texas, but Tim Beck who was the Pittsburgh State head coach who won a couple, you know, D2 national championships. He is a friend of Gary Patterson's. He was on staff last year, although not officially recognized. This year, he's an analyst. So I think that is um, pretty important. They ran they ran a pretty ferocious kind of pistol jet sweep option, and we're seeing some of that in, in TCU, at least in this first game. And so I think, I think that's really, really uh beneficial i think that'll be something that'll be a nice wrinkle it'll it'll be like the inverted veer we saw with andy dalton but it also is that it, it gives us kind of a wrinkle with duggan's legs there so so with that pistol though tc was running this outside zone and again we talked about this um i, I won't go too deep into this go to the baylor baylor preview because they have Jeff Grimes are running outside zone. But basically the difference is, are your linemen moving the guys back or are they moving them to the side? And I think moving them to the side is a little bit easier. And given some, I'll say, uncertainty on TCU's offensive line, it's kind of nice to have 
this package in where it's it's you know it's in the pistol it's easier for the quarterback to get get there and get to the running back and get into the outside it does limit a little bit kind of your rpo game because largely tcu threw these rpos out of the shotgun with the running back right next to the quarterback and they ran in pistol and you're like okay well this isn't going to be play action this is going to be uh, a run but i think they'll they'll build up that play action overall uh, and, and so maybe we'll see some play action out of the pistol. One thing I really, really liked is on the first drive, I saw a stick twice. And so, of course, you, you guys know stick is like the air raid play. And, and stick is basically you take you take a couple steps as a receiver and you stick your outside foot in the, in, in the ground and you turn around. And that is just the, hey, man, we're going to take five yards if you give it to me play. So I really like that from TCU. I really like that we're seeing a little bit more air raid concepts. I saw Y cross. I saw Y corner. I saw stick. I saw mesh. Uh, you know, in the first couple of drives, I, I didn't. I didn't chart once they put in Matt Downing because life is life is for the living. But some really interesting concepts there. Some some play action. Some deception generally. Uh, I like the jet sweep on drive drive two there was there was a penalty on that but it one, one thing to look at with that jet sweep they're they're gonna have to figure out how to get barber or spielman or davis involved in that jet sweep because if you put imari de mercado or zach evans or kendra miller out at the slot it's basically telegraphing the fact that you're, you're going to have him motion and run that inverted veer so hopefully that was just an artifact of hey we're playing a bad team we're just trying to you know, run this and see what's going on. But uh, Big 12 coaches are not going to be naive. They're they're going to know. All right, this this is what, what what what's coming on this play. There was a a sequence in that second drive that was just kind of a uh, it wasn't it wasn't great. I like that they ran the jet sweep, but they kind of telegraphed it, and De Mercado got you know almost tackled and then broke away. I, I, I count that play a failure because, you know, talent advantage is so huge, hugely skewed towards TCU. So De Mercado being able to break that away for like 11, an 11 yard run is kind of rough. But generally, I think that, uh, you know, I can I can rant about the scheme o- overall. I think that that the only other negative thing I'll say is that I didn't like the little razzle dazzle end around early on. I think that Meacham's problem is that he likes to get cute for the sake of being cute and, and, and cute may be a demeaning word, but he just likes to shake it up and it go back to the Oklahoma game last year. TC was moving the ball on a drive and then they ran this weird monster set and threw a 19 yard or 10 yard incompletion and found themselves behind the sticks. I, I, I think that TCU should really, really focus on kind of the basics, not get too exotic. That one really, really irked me generally. And then, of course, with the monster set, they, they scored a touchdown, which can only encourage them. So in terms of design, this was not a sunny Cumby offense. I think that is a uh, an unequivocal good. The offense looked generally good. The, uh, the offensive line looked a lot better. Um, I think if we go to, you know, for whatever PFF blocking grades are, you have all five of your starters had, you know, grades of 78 plus Coy McMillan, you know, was 74 and I don't think he should start. I think that we'll see Wes Harris starting there. So generally uh, you have to, you have to opponent adjust those, but those were good overall. 
And so uh, I think the offensive line really, really understands that their reputation last year was really, really bad, and they want to repair that. So good for them. They absolutely should do that. Uh, Okay, I'm at what? Shoot, I'm at like 18 minutes. I'm going to talk about Max for a little bit and then get out of here. But Max, I, I, I liked what TCU did with him for the first three drives. And then on the fourth drive, they went, you know, seam route, and it broke for 40-something yards to, to Barber. They He hit Brooks, and then they had another middle-of-the-field route that was that interception. And then Duggan didn't throw a pass after that. And I'm not a football coach. I won't pretend to be an expert on that. I'll just say that if my quarterback had been struggling the last two years and had been very publicly in the spotlight, it would be one of my preeminent priorities to get him comfortable and if he threw an interception I would immediately on the next drive go back to that and say it's an FCS school that's fine you missed the throw get it right this time so I don't like that they didn't give him the reps there Duggan was accurate on 73.7% of his balls which is better than last season again we got to adjust for opponent 10.9 10.9 yards per attempt and an eight out of, uh, of 12 yards downfield. So just one turnover worthy play, obviously the pick in the middle of the field, it was a little behind that downfield ball. I think to Barber, maybe it was the one to Brooks. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling in the moment here, but that one was a little short, but, but it was nice to see Max in an environment where he wasn't getting hit and he could make the throws. I wish they had let him, kind of throw after he made that interception. Uh, he he wasn't checking down a ton, I will say, in terms of yards after the catch, which makes me just a, a little nervous against a, uh, um, excuse me, against a, you know, an FCS school. If we look at their receiving grades, I'm, I'm vamping right now because I'm just pulling that up. So if you look at yards after the catch, TCU had 131 yards after the catch. And if you look at their passing grades, uh, they had overall 253. So that's almost half, more than half of their yards came after the catch. That doesn't make me nervous so much as it just says, all right, you're obviously better than these guys. And I would like to see a little bit more downfield. The other thing I look at is, is yards after contact. TCU had 178 rushing yards total, and 115 of those yards came after contact. So when we're thinking about TCU as a team, when we're thinking about what this game showed us on offense specifically, we can say, well, most of their, you know, most of their offensive production came after a defender got to the play and tried to make a play. And, you know, Duquesne is not necessarily your average Big 12 defender. So that's just something to flag and look at, especially against Cal, who's going to be, you know, schematically a little more interesting and talent-wise a little more similar to TCU. We'll, we'll look at, is TCU's offense succeeding because opponents are missing tackles or are they succeeding because they're hitting wide receivers in space? That's an open question, and I think we can we can overall look at it. Um, 
yeah, th- this wasn't, you know, I'm not, I'm not taking too much away from this game. TCU came out five drives and, and scored. It's exactly what you wanted to see. They, they didn't have, you know, a special team. They didn't need, as they have in the past, a special team score to come out and, you know, invigorate the offense. Max looked comfortable. I, I believe that Max gained 13 pounds of muscle this offseason, as the narrative has been. But generally, I think this was a a a fine showing. My really my 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 only big qualm with with TCU is that Max threw the interception and they didn't let him go back to the middle of the field. Uh, I can see a vision for this offense, and I think that if they can execute this vision, especially uh, against the offensive line, this should be a team that. Won't win games, you know, 52 to 32, but will win games 24 to 17 very, very often, which might be enough in the in the Big 12. Um, okay, I think that that's all I will say about TCU. I'm going to run down the Big 12, the, the, the league generally. I'm watching Ole Miss just pants Louisville right now, which is really fun. But I think that um, let's 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 talk about kind of the Big 12 schedule generally. So the one that I hope oh, I'm clicking things, I'm, I'm flipping around. The, the one that I wanted to talk about was Oklahoma and, and Tulane. That game was a little too close for comfort. And outside of about three drives, Oklahoma got outmanned there, which was not what you wanted to see. I'm, I'm willing to chalk that up to two things. One, I think that Oklahoma in losing to two or in, in beating Tulane 40 to 35. Oklahoma largely one overlooked Tulane and two Lincoln Riley was being a little bit coy on offense. I think that there was a couple moments where Lincoln Riley put some things on film that he has no intention of running against Big 12 opponents. And and who knows if he is trying to be like the Fox and take take steps in wrong directions but but generally I, I i think that it's it's not something we should take too much stock in i think rattler is still qb1 in the in, uh, in the fbs i think that oklahoma is still the best team in the big 12 iowa state had an absolute stinker of a game i don't i don't know if that's a technical term or not but brock purdy you know, 21 of 26 for 199 yards, a QBR of 51.3. Their, their lone offensive touchdown came on a Brees Hall run. Brees Hall was, didn't break a big run at all. His, his longest was, was 12 yards. So um, that was not what you want to see out of an Iowa state team who was hoping to be in the playoff this year, frankly, and given all their returning production, anything short of the playoff is a failure. So, Losing, or uh, excuse me, I keep saying losing. They 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 morally lost. They they won sixteen to ten against Northern Iowa, but generally was not a a, a good showing. Texas, I thought, um, showed showed what you would want to see out of Texas against Louisiana. Bijan Robinson, twenty carries, one hundred three yards. That was a more dominant performance than just 20 points. Remember, the line on that was 13.5, and everyone on the internet, myself included, said, who, buddy, let's bet that. And then I think it came down to about eight. And um, Texas really took care of business there, and they did it quietly. It's almost good for them to be, you know, 
to play a non-Power 5 team on the first week of the season, so no one's tempted to say kind of Texas is back. Kansas State plus three against Stanford was kind of the lock of the week, maybe the lock of the season. I don't I don't know what the odds makers were thinking, but Stanford's not very good. I Skylar Thompson has a little bit of a gunslinger in him, and so I wasn't surprised to see them <clears throat> uh you know, go up early and then just kind of put the clamp down on Stanford. Two games that I, I was interested in. Maryland beat West Virginia. I'm I'm gonna eat some crow on Jared Dagey. I will say that I, I believed in Jared Dagey's potential. One game doesn't ruin that, but man alive. West Virginia has to find a quarterback that can play. Daigie, 41.7 QBR, 24 of 40, two interceptions. Just uh, look, man, maybe last year just ruined his confidence. I don't, I don't, I don't know. But uh, West Virginia goes 0-1. They have a pretty tough slate. They've got Virginia Tech in the non-con too. So bowl eligibility is on the line. Texas Tech, speaking of bowl eligibility, made a huge step towards doing that, beating Houston. Uh, They were up 24-21 when they were just absolutely gifted a a pass interference call, and uh, and that put them in field goal range. They they, they took advantage and they scored, and the game kind of got away from Houston. I think they're evenly matched with Houston. Uh, Shock was fine. Over 80% completion. The A dot was uh, average depth of target was pretty low. The jury's still out there um, overall. Oklahoma State beat Missouri State 23-16. Do not make any inferences off this game. I'll say it again. Do not make any inferences off this game. Oklahoma State is down seven starters this weekend. We just heard that Trace Ford, their their defensive end, is going to be out for the entire season. Um, it might be a little bit weird in Stillwater, but if everyone gets healthy, they're absolutely a team that can compete at the top of the Big 12. Baylor is trying to take a lot of moral victories uh, against Texas State, but one, they played a game in San Marcos uh, for the opener, which is embarrassing. And two, they, they they won by nine and Texas State's just okay. So I think Baylor, I didn't learn anything new. Oklahoma State, I'm throwing that out because they were hurt. Texas Tech, that game was a push for me. And even though it looks like it was a 17 point lead, I still think that was pretty close to a push. West Virginia appears to be not who we thought they could be. Kansas State, sneakily decent. Texas, quietly competent. Iowa State, always starts slow, might have to figure themselves out. And Oklahoma, just overlooked opponents. Um, shout out to Kansas, getting their first win since I think 2019. Uh, you know, r- rush the field when your heart feels like it. That's that's all I have to say there. We'll be back on Wednesday, uh, Grant and I will, to preview Cal and to kind of talk about real, real, real opponents and, and what TC's offense might look like. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for indulging my little monologue here. But uh, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Stats and War. Go follow Grant at Grant McGalliard, spelled like it sounds with all those vowels. And until Wednesday, go Frogs.